Welcome to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America, and twice Mr. Universe. And Chris Daniels. Time magazine even named him Person of the Century. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. Well, hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. The CNC Podcast Studio coming together. We're almost fully operational here. We are soon to be the Death Star of podcasting. Well, and my voice is now fully operational. You've got your voice back. Congratulations. It yes, it's great to be back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boy, we thought that this was going to be a bit of a, a TV timeout this week for the Sonics Arena saga. No big announcements planned, no grandstanding, no mayoral announcements. And it took a bit of a twist this week when... Tim Liewicki was in town for something that was seemingly unrelated. GeekWire, the great folks over there, Todd Bishop and company just across town, do great work. They were hosting a sports tech conference. They've done this before, so they bring in people to talk about the technology side of sports, right? Right, yeah. Second annual uh, GeekWire Sports Tech Summit, they call it. Uh, yeah. This year was at CenturyLink Field, had all sorts of people involved. Jerry DePoto from the Mariners, uh, Sue Bird from the Storm. Uh, Todd Lewicki came back into town from uh, who's now at the NFL. The, Tim's brother. Tim's brother. And they he's sound the too two. similar, so we can't play both pieces yeah. of audio because you'd be thoroughly confused. Uh, and he he said a lot of interesting things about technology and how uh, it has changed what the NFL is doing and yeah. how you're going to see fewer commercials uh, next year, fewer commercial pods. We noticed that this last season, yeah. how there was entire first quarters where they had not taken a break, and we. Because we're TV nerds, we said, they haven't taken a commercial break yet. Yeah. But you're saying that we found out that was intentional. They were experimenting. They know that people don't have the patience they used to have, so they're going to try to mix it up this year. They're going to bring Microsoft surfaces out to the referees on controversial calls. That's interesting. So we don't uh, have to wait for them to go to the sidelines, yeah. look under the hood. Yeah, I mean, it, it, interesting stuff all around from uh, right. the, the good folks at GeekWire and some of the guests uh, they bring in for big events like this. And uh, Tim Liewicki was uh, also one of the so invited guests. So from the guests. NFL back to the NHL slash NBA division with Tim Liewicki. Yes. And he probably assumed, oh, I get to just be a, a speaker to talk about technology, right? Well, and I, I think, yeah, he even made reference to it at a certain point. Like, I thought we were talking about tech here. Uh, but Todd uh, Bishop asked him a, a lot of questions over the course of uh, more than a half hour related to technology, related to uh, arenas, arena security, and uh, I, I think it was a pretty interesting conversation. At times, I, I think Tim probably didn't like some of the questions, but um, yeah, we'll, we can give people a, a listen. It's Todd Bishop from GeekWire and OVG head Tim Liewicki talking about the Seattle Arena uh, project that he would like to build at the Key Arena site transportation, security, and some of the other people that he's teamed up with here. Take a so full credit to GeekWire. This was from their summit. If you want to see or hear more, go check out their website, GeekWire. They do great, great stuff. All credit goes to these guys, but we know a lot of you couldn't be there. A lot of you didn't get to hear exactly what happened. So without further ado, here is a, an uncut selection from that conversation. But to kick this off, um, it's been a couple weeks since Oakview Group was announced as the preferred partner for the redevelopment of uh, what's now known as Key Arena in Seattle. You've said uh, that this Seattle Arena renovation plan is the most iconic, the most visionary, and the greatest opportunity you've been involved with. Now, 
That's from a person who oversaw in previous roles development of arenas including Staples Center, LA Live, the, the neighborhood, the O2 in London. What makes this the most iconic and the greatest opportunity you've had so far? So first, we should talk about that term preferred partner. I guess that means we're pregnant, but they don't want to marry us yet. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. Well, you said, so, so, so people know the process. The mayor selected <laughs> Oakview Group, and now the process goes through where you negotiate a memorandum of understanding with the city council. Is that correct? The, the, with the mayor's office, the mayor's staff, the city staff, the city council. Yeah. And 392 crazy Sonics fans that are threatening us every day, too. So let's not forget about them. Hey, tech companies would kill for an engaged customer base yeah. like the one that you're about they, to have. They have them. So th this is, I think this is a unique uh, situation because seldom in your life do you have a chance to bring a winter sports franchise to the fastest growing marketplace in all of North America. And I think for those of you that live here, you know this. Uh, for those of us that are... Um, been coming to this town for 20 years. We certainly have learned this. When you walk through Amazon's campus and you look at what's going here, when you hear Google and their announcement of the, the new uh, jobs that are moving down here, when you see uh, Expedia and, and the campus they're building, you begin to understand how dynamic the Seattle is and what a great opportunity it is. The fact that they don't have a winter sports franchise is shocking. So our ability to bring Either a hockey team, a basketball team, or both here is fantastic. But also, we could sit here and debate where the arena ought to go. But if you look at Seattle Center, this is a, this is a building that was built back in 1962. That's where the Space Needle started. That's where this community hosted the World's Fair. Uh, the, the history and the tradition of this building is amazing. And our ability to go in and add 350,000 square feet uh, and not make the roof change and, and honor the historic nature of the building uh, and spend $564 million doing it and going down. It, it's, a, it's a hard project. It's a visionary project. It's an amazing project. It's on 75 acres of the most beautiful campus I've seen in any urban core, and we get a chance to bring winter sports back to Seattle in the fastest-growing marketplace in the United States and North America. So I, I don't know where else we'll ever have a chance to do that again, and it certainly isn't something I've done in my career. So we're, we're extremely excited about it, but we're also nervous. This isn't for the faint of heart. What makes you most nervous? Um... Oh, there's so many things that make me nervous. You know, look, the negotiating with the city, the council, the mayor's staff, the mayor not running for re-election, a new mayor coming on board in January. Um, you, you always have to worry about that. Uh, this is an enormous amount of money to spend privately. But th this is a project I feel really good about. This is a project I get really excited about. It, it requires vision, it requires commitment, and it requires money and good partners, and we're lucky to have all of that. But I would say that for me, I'm really not nervous about this project. I understand there's a lot of hard Wait, work to do. You just said you were nervous. I'm nervous every day. Okay. I, right. I, usually, I have like 130 employees now. I don't know how the heck we got there. They make me nervous. I don't, I don't understand how I have such a high payroll. That makes me nervous. I, there's a lot of things that make me nervous. Key Arena is one where we understand the obstacles, but I, I, I'm not nervous about our success or our chance of success here, that I feel really good about. 
Sounds like it's a healthy nervousness, just a natural nervousness. There is no such a thing as healthy nervousness. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, we're going to get into a little nitty-gritty later on about uh, some elements of the arena plan, but let's start with that vision. Uh, I know that there's at least a potential for this arena to open in 2020 or 2021, but let's, let me give you a little bit more breathing room. Let's fast forward to 2025. I'm an NHL fan or an NBA fan, and I'm going to this new Seattle arena. Sketch out the vision for me. What's the experience going to be like from going from my house to the arena, buying the ticket, getting through the gate, experiencing the game, interacting with the players? Just give me the highlights of, of how this arena is going to be different and what the fan experience is going to be like. So one thing that occurred to me, I got up early this morning and I, I walked not only the campus at um, Seattle Center, but also the campus at Amazon. It's really remarkable when you walk through what they're doing. It, it's shocking. Um, gutsy, innovative, and scary uh, to see a, a company grow that fast. And the thing that occurred to me as I looked at the hundreds and hundreds of young people walking into that campus is I looked around and I realized there's not a lot of cars. They're, they're not coming in cars. They're coming in buses. They're on bikes. They're, they, a lot of people were getting off um, some of the light rail that's in and around uh, their campus. And it was pretty remarkable to see that the, the new generation, they understand, look, Uber, Lyft, and Curb didn't exist 10 years ago, eight years ago. These are new phenomenons that are changing the way that we think about how we get from point A to point B. If you look at new technology that people can pre-reserve a parking space and put it into an app, and the app will take you directly to the parking space on the night of an event, none of this existed uh, just a few years ago. So what we're going to have to think about for 2025 is driverless cars. I always, people always kind of chuckle when I talk about, do, do we have drones that are taking people from point A to point B? Um, at the consumer show this year at Vegas, they were there. And it was pretty amazing to watch the fact that there's a new mode of transportation that is go going to come in our lifetime at some point or another and that will change the way we think about how we bring people in and out of our facilities. So... I think thinking about technology as an opportunity to communicate to people how to get to and from the campus without thinking that they had to park right next door to the arena is the greatest challenge we have with this particular development. Same in Miami. We're not building a parking garage in Miami at the MLS Stadium there. Uh, by the way, some of the other projects we're looking at, we're not looking at building parking garages either because we think the world's going to change and there's going to be technology in particular, a huge impact on getting out of the car and either doing driverless cars, Uber, mass transportation, or ultimately finding ways to park and then and commute in by doing what I think people are going to do here, the monorail. I think the, the biggest change will be security. Um, those that think these issues and incidents and acts of terrorism that we're now seeing in and around live music, sports, and facilities is going to come and go, unfortunately, this is our way of life, and we have to be prepared for it. So we can no longer secure our building. Um, if you look at every major terrorist attack, uh, that has happened uh, in the last three years now. The majority of them are happening on the outside, not the inside. So we've all spent huge amounts of money on x-ray machines and metal detectors. And um, coming into this building last night, we went through, Adrian knows, I'm sure it drives him crazy, but we, we had to go through a bag check to check our bags in order to go through a line, in order to go through security, in order to get our tickets 
um, uh, ultimately taken. So, so if, will, will technology change that? Sure, it should, because what we need to do is ultimately say we need to keep our fans safe. That's first. And we need to do it using technology so we don't make them wait in three lines. That's not good for our fans. So how do we do that? Well, technology is going to allow us to have facial recognition, and that's going to change security. Security will no longer be about a building or or a stadium. It's going to be about a campus, and security is going to have to get stretched, and we're going to have to have security everywhere. There will be aspects of technology, drones, cameras, facial recognition, uh, the new Ticketmaster system where you know who has that ticket and who's in your building. Um, Why do we make our season ticket holders if we know it's really our season ticket holder coming into the building and Pete's been a season ticket holder for 20 years, why is Pete going through three lines? He's not our threat. I think the other thing is there will be non-technology. So to this day, if they would have had vaporwake dogs in Manchester, that bomb wouldn't have gone off, at least not there, because the dog would have smelt it. And I'm still a huge fan of vaporwake dogs for a campus because it's the only technology we have today, amazingly. There, there's only one machine they've invented today that can smell bomb belts like that. And it, it cost over a million dollars for one of the machines, and you've got to walk through it in order to really make it work. Dogs, um, so just a quick story. Um, This is not technology, but it shows you sometimes that things that we have today that exist today might be the best solution. So the the New York Mets ended up buying a bunch of vaporwake dogs, and they donated them back to the police department. And then when the Mets had games, the police department would bring the dogs to City Field. Uh, St. Paddy's Day parade two years ago, a million people on the streets of New York, most of them not feeling any pain, bomb dogs walking along. Nose goes up in the air, and he goes back a block and picks up on a guy. And the police officer says, I'm, I'm afraid my dog smelled something on you. i got to pull you out. Checks him out. Nothing there. Walks away. Another half block later, the dog, nose goes back in the air. He goes right back to this guy. They pull him into a station, to one of their substations they had on the route. And as it turns out, he had a nitroglycerin pill for his heart in his pocket, and the dog smelled it almost a block away. We're going to need that on our campuses until we figure out technology that ultimately can replace the nose of a dog, which is the most effective means today of making sure. I'm not worried about the arena at at the Seattle Center. I'm worried about Seattle Center and the 75 acres. So what we're going to have to do in 2025 is make sure we protect the entire campus. When you talk about that, the first thought that goes across the minds of a lot of folks out there is privacy. If you're going to be scanning my face, tracking my movement through the arena or Seattle Center, I'd rather just stay home. What do you say to people who say that? Uh, I'd say I don't agree with that at all. One, we don't make going to sporting events convenient today. Let's admit that what we're making people go through right now is a bit extreme. And yet, last night, Adrian had 45,000 people here. Is that about right? And it was a good game until the 94th minute. Me, I think the game should have ended at 93. Adrian and the Sounders got screwed again. I think the referees are all against you, Adrian. I agree with you. But I think... (laughs) See what happens when you win the title. Parody. Oh, we don't want them to win again. Make sure the referees screw them. I'm only kidding, Garber, if he's here, by the way. Yeah. So I, I think we, if you look at the ex- fan experience today, it's not great. I think technology is going to make it better, not worse. And still, we need to come together as a society and ultimately celebrate. So 
If you look at what happened in Manchester a week later, they had 60,000 people show up at the stadium and a defiant message that you will not disrupt our choice and our freedom and our lifestyle, and we're going to have the right to go where we want to go. And yes, we'll put up with the other aggravation we now had to put up with. Our challenge is to understand people want to come together and celebrate. The game's still always much better in person than it is on TV and, and on distribution channels. <clears throat> but that said, what we have to do is say, how do we do that, make them feel safe, and not make them go through three lines of security in order to get to the event and enjoy the moment? You mentioned earlier walking through the Amazon campus. Obviously, there is a very large... Uh, employee base of Amazon, but if you look back at Key Arena when the Seattle Sonics were still here, a, a big portion of the audience for those games came from the east side. There's no real uh, option for light rail in the short term across 520. Wouldn't that make the argument for I-90 and the Soto Arena being uh, the the arena and the location that could better serve the broader broader population? Yeah, you know, I've done a pretty good job of avoiding getting into shooting at any other project, and I'm going to stay with that. Um, well, let's talk about your project. I mean, what do you say to people? I'm not going to shoot side? at mine either. Well, well what, do you say to, going. what do you say to people on the east side who say, I, I am not, I mean, it's not the bridge, it's the mess. So, so here's what I say. Uh, Two million people went to Key Arena about eight years ago when they had the Sonics, they had the Thunderbirds, they had the concerts, and they had the family show. Since that time, they're now introducing computerized lighting systems on Mercer. We've never had them before. By the time we open our arena, we will have that. Within 10 years of the arena opening, there will be a light rail station there. And in the meantime, if you look at the not only the technology that's been created in Uber and Lyft and hopefully driverless cars that will get people in and out of the building, the, the infrastructure in and around Seattle Center has gotten better, not worse. There's actually more parking there than there was when the Sonics were there. Look at the gates and the, and the beautiful headquarter building they built and the garage they have uh, next door. So what, what we have is... We have traffic in Seattle, everywhere, including, it took me five minutes to get from the newspaper, sorry Adrian, I had to tell this, it took me five minutes, the newspaper that we were just at is next to the, the Space Needle in Seattle Center, it took me five minutes to get on the freeway, then the freeway stopped, and it stopped because of what's going on right here, and that's people trying to get out, and it was completely blocked, and then we came here, and guess what, we had a train, so we were trying to figure out how to get on the ramp and get above the train, and so there's nothing easy in Seattle. You're the fastest growing city in the United States. You're going to have traffic problems. The traffic problems are not key arenas. The traffic problems are Seattle's, and we have to, to solve them. But at the end of the day, next door, the Amazon campus has 35,000 people going and coming from that campus each and every day. They not only get there, but stand down in that campus and look around. And what will amaze you is it seems to me the majority of those people are getting there either walking or, or commuting somehow. It's, there's not a ton of cars that were on the streets in, within the campus today. So we have a lot of work to do to figure out a transportation plan. I'm not claiming it's going to be perfect. It's not. But I went down to Staples Center um, a few weeks ago, and it took me an hour and a half to drive down there. Um, last time I checked, Staples Center sells out every night still. What, what kinds of assurances through the MOU process, the Memorandum of Understanding process, are you going to be able to give the citizens of Seattle on cost overruns? That's a, a major hot-button issue for many people as they look at the arena. We have completely gone away from technology here, haven't we? I'm yeah. only kidding. So um, what, <laughs> what I'd say is th this, you know, they, we, we were asked today by the editorial board, what makes you think that, that ultimately this will be good for the taxpayers? And what I said is, well... 
So we're going to spend $564 million privately and take all the risk ourselves to build it. If there's an overrun, we have to pay the overrun. If there's a time delay, we have to account for the time delay and pay for that. We have agreed to operate the building ourselves, and so we're at total risk on the operations of the building for 35 years. We have to put in all the capital improvements to the building for the next 35 years, and we've agreed to take the city, and whatever they're making today off of Key Arena, the events at Key Arena, and the parking from Key Arena, we guarantee you that you will continue to make that, and we will backstop it so you could go finance that guarantee. I'm not sure what kind of suspicion anyone should have about that deal. That's a fairly good deal for the city of Seattle and a really good deal for the taxpayers because we do believe we should privatize the building and ultimately taxpayers' money ought to go to security, traffic, and education. How much are you depending on the continued tech boom to make this project economically viable in terms of the, the ultimate demand for games, entertainment at the arena? So I think technology makes the experience better. It doesn't replace the experience. So, so we should understand that. Yes. I think looking at the Amazon campus and understanding they're a tech company, do I feel better about the $564 million bet plus buying a team? When you look at 35,000 people in that campus, yes, we feel much better that technology and Seattle becoming a technology hub is going to have a huge impact on the people that we get to talk to to buy our tickets for sports and music. Do we ultimately think there's going to be esports? Yes, I think there's 20 nights of esports that will be in this building. 20 nights. 20 nights. As opposed to now, it's maybe three or four for the international. We're we're just following the lead of you know I think the the, the guys that are thinking yeah. about esports maybe as well as anybody is Activision and Blizzard. Yeah. And their league is going to be 20 nights, and so we're excited about that concept and that technology. Do I think? Uh, 18,000 people come into each and every one of those 20 nights to watch people play games. I'm not sure it'll be 20,000, but look, if you do five to 8,000 and that keeps your building busy and those are 20 nights that you can schedule around your anchor tenant and your concert uh, business, I think it's a fantastic addition completely driven by technology. So uh, in terms of that, you've said that the NHL is likely to be first. And I recognize you're being very careful here not to speak on behalf of any of the leagues. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm the only guy I know that's not in the league and still getting fined by commissioners. It yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. Is it, conceivable, is it conceivable that we could have an NBA team in a Soto arena and an NHL and entertainment arena separate at Key Arena? Anything, people could spend money. So if you're going to privatize both arenas and one's going to run off and get a hockey team and the other guy wants to go get a basketball team, so be it. But here's what I do know. Commissioner Silver has been very clear on this. There's no expansion currently being debated, discussed, or contemplated at the NBA. And I wouldn't if I were them either. They have the world's best, their TV contract is fantastic now. So it's not even a conversation. The problem with Seattle is twofold, I think. One, their hearts got ripped out seven, eight years ago when the Sonics left. And it was, it was not done in a great way, and they were misled. And, and some people came in, and ultimately um, they had a personal agenda that cost this community their basketball team. And I think people are bitter about that. They don't think it was handled well by the league, by David Stern, by the, the political leaders. And so I think we, we have to inherit that distrust. Now, add to that that for seven years, they've been told, I'm going to get you an NBA team. 
And then we come along and say, I'm sorry for being honest, but there is no NBA team to be gotten right now. They're not expanding. And because of the job that Adam Silver has done, and he's done a tremendous job as commissioner of that league, there's no teams that are in, in danger today of failing in their marketplace and moving. And so the reality is the conversation is one where if you just do simple math, there's 31 National Hockey League teams, there's 16 in the East and 15 in the West. It takes you about a second to figure out they need another team out West. Is there a better marketplace West of the Mississippi today than Seattle for a winter sports franchise? So what they need is they need an arena and then they need an owner. Well, we believe we have a vision to do both. If someone else wants to come along after we do that and build another arena and put the basketball team in there, great. I'm fine with that. I don't think it works, especially when Live Nation is our partner, equity partner, and they're going to put 40 or 50 nights of music in the building they own every day of the week. So you lose all the music and you lose the hockey, and then you're going to go put another arena up and spend $600 million privately. I think that's a tough economic bet. One thing that might have gotten lost amid the announcement about the, 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 uh, the choices of your group as the preferred partner is that Jerry Bruckheimer is among your partners. I mean, we're talking Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop, Armageddon. And CSI Wichita. <laughs> CSI. <laughs> How will Jerry Bruckheimer's sensibilities impact the design of this arena? So uh, I think we have two really interesting partners in David Bonderman and Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, and, and David Bonderman owns lots of things through his partnership in TPG, including Cirque uh, and CAA. And so he's, he's in the entertainment business. He's in the technology business. And, and I think he's going to bring a very sharp mind to how we build a building that is, from a technology standpoint, very advanced. So there's just a taste and extended but uh, selected taste from that conversation of Tim Liewicki with Todd Bishop of GeekWire. Chris, what did you make of all that? Well, you know, the, the conversation continued past that point about yeah. David Bonderman. Uh, Tim Liewicki was asked about Bonderman's recent comments uh, at an Uber meeting. And again, to connect the dots for people who, there's too many names involved yeah. here. Bonderman is the guy with Uber, has NHL connections. He's a UW grad. Yeah. Uh, Lywicki has announced he would be an NHL, potential NHL owner right. in a new key arena along with Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, and, and He got cut up, what, a week ago now? Yeah. In uh, some unfortunate news that's uh, been a big distraction. Yeah, he, he made a, a comment uh, that a, a lot of people believe to be sexist at a company meeting about sexism in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, had resigned from Uber, issued an apology, Lewicki came out and issued a statement on it saying he's, he's uh, still a, a, a reputable man and uh, made a, a mistake. This is not indi- uh, you know, indicative of, of him as a person. And at the, the GeekWire Summit, when, when this conversation continued, uh, he said he believed it was a one-time thing, that David Bonderman is the man of utmost in char- character, and that Tim said, hey, I've been in uh, a bunch of these scenarios where you're in front of people and you're talking a lot, and I've said some, quote, crazy-ass stuff. Uh, so wow. he tried to kind of uh, laugh laugh it off to a certain respect. So he's um, still very much in the saddle with Bonnerman. Oh, he's yeah. not trying uh, to distance himself. He's not trying to distance himself. He thinks he'd be a good NHL owner. Wow. Uh, but I, I think, you know, part of one of the, the big takeaways from – uh, what Tim had to say is, is something that, that we've talked about in the past, and it's really transportation um, in, in Lower Queen Anne and South Lake Union. 
there are going to be technological advances that are going to help traffic there. Uh, I know some people roll their eyes, uh, but this is something that I've been tracking for three or four years. Yeah. The adaptive signal technology, that's a real thing uh, that is designed to uh, get uh, massive traffic moving, flowing to and from I-5, in this particular case, at Mercer. It's already been installed. Um, you could argue whether it's actually working to its fullest extent. No, I don't or not, think you but, could argue that. But uh, no, I don't there, think there are going to be other adaptive signals that are put into place yeah. on the other roads in South Lake Union once the tunnel is complete and the Battery Street tunnel goes away. So there is some thought that yes, that is going to help move traffic through the South Lake Union area with or without an arena. So I, I, right. I just wanted to stress that that I know a lot of people have been rolling their eyes at some of these things, but yeah. but that's accurate. That's that's coming. Now, I will also say that the more I hear Tim Laiwiki speak, the more I feel a sense of, uh, I don't want to say anger, but he's definitely not passive. He, he's very political. He kind of pushes, throws his weight around a little bit, makes it clear when he's unhappy. He's kind of quick to fire shots across the bow to Hanson and company. And we should also mention that if... if Hanson had spoken this week, we would be featuring that audio as well. And we well. have so, in past uh, yes, podcasts. certainly. Yeah. We're, not, we're definitely not taking sides, although uh, we've certainly expressed our own point of views and which side we stand on. And again, we are in the shadow of the Soto Project down here. So uh, this, as it keeps unfolding, I just feel this weird sense of, yeah, uh, politics building, uh, certainly from Tim Laiwiki. He, he really kind of gets frustrated easily, and he voices those. When you hear from Hanson, it's Always that same kind of laid back demeanor. He's kind of just like, "Hey, look, guys, whatever, man." Yeah, hey, we well, got the I, money. I, I, I've said it before. Invested. I mean, Tim Laiwiki sells it. I mean, he he knows how to sell it. He knows how to command a room. And I and, guess that's my point. Is yeah. to some people, you'll find that effective. To some people, it's a turn off to have a guy who's kind of throwing his weight around. Uh, I have to wonder if this isn't going to be one of those scenarios of nice guy finishing last kind of a thing. In other words, if if Hanson and company are being too passive, if they're sitting back in the wings trying to play nice too much, or will it, in the end, work to their advantage? It seems like di- totally different strategies of work. Oh, here. and I, I think it's it's obvious that it is night and day in terms of the strategy here. And Laiwiki has realized in a short amount of time, got to get out in front of cameras, got to get out in front of the Seattle Times editorial board, Got to get out in front of uh, King 5 and and talk to as many people as possible. He's talked to a lot of people in the Lower Queen Anne neighborhood, uh, community leaders. He is he is he wants to make it look like this is fait accompli at this point uh, right. and, and that a deal will get done between him and the city. It's, it's a different tact than kind of sitting back and letting the city council do their work, as we saw with Chris Hansen, and it was a strategy that, that ultimately backfired. As always, there's a lot to keep track of, a lot of names, a lot of parties involved, and uh, you do such an awesome job of of tracking it all. If people want to read, see, hear more, they can run over to king5.com. We have our own arena page. All right. We've got an arena. We've got an arena page. Page Yes. In brackets, page. Mm -hmm. All right. Good stuff, man. (laughs) On Twitter and Instagram, at NextBestPod, this is the exclusive ending of the next best podcast.